we're back in Nehemiah. We're not going to be able to get through all of this today. I prepared a lot today. I don't think we're going to get through all of this by God's grace. It's too much. So it's going to be a part one and part two. So we're going we're gonna to do the part one today. You're in, we're in Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 38, then, verses, then chapter 10, verses 28 uh, to about the 31st verse. When you get there, say amen. Let's dig in. It says, because, in verse 38 of chapter 9, because of all <coughs> this, we make a firm covenant. Somebody say firm covenant. We make a firm covenant in writing on the sealed document are the names of our princes, our Levites, and our priests. Verse 28 of chapter 10. It said, the rest of the people, the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, uh, the singers, the temple servants, and all who separated themselves from the people of the lands, the God uh, to the law of God, their wives, their sons, their daughters, and all who have knowledge and understanding, join with their brothers, their nobles, and enter into a curse and an oath to walk in God's law that was given by Moses, the servant of God, and to observe and to do all the commandments of the law, the Lord our God, our Lord, our Lord, and his rule and his statutes. We will not give our daughters to the peoples of the land or take their daughters for our sons. And if the peoples of the land bring in goods or any grain on the Sabbath day to sell, we will not buy from them on the Sabbath or on a holy day, and we will forego the crops of the seventh year and the ex- exaction of every debt. Um, we're going we're gonna to give this text the title of uh, Rebuilt Through Sacrificial Commitment. Rebuilt Through Sacrificial Commitment. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for the ability uh, to... To, 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 to hear your word publicly and to gather with the saints, Lord God. And I'm excited about the fact that you first sacrificially committed yourself to us. And so in response to that reality, we're here today. We're here today as a community. We're here today to hear your word. We're here today to be transformed. We're here today so that when we leave this place, we'll never be the same person we were when we came in, but better. And so, Lord, help the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart to be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord God, our strength, our redeemer, in whom we trust. In Jesus' mighty name. Everybody agree with that said? Amen, amen. amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Um, We're back in our series on Nehemiah. We're back in our series on Nehemiah. We've been trekking through Nehemiah since the fall. We will hopefully be finished by the end of May. That is my plan. And then we'll be in our manhood series. And then in the fall, we'll be in our womanhood series. And then We'll be, and so forth and so on, if the Holy Ghost says the same. But we're back in this series, and this series has been a series that God has led us to go into because of um, some, of the, some of the historical and spiritual parallels that we see in the lives of the people of God who were in the Second Temple period as we are in 2012. On the Second Temple period, if you remember, and for those of us who haven't, those of you who haven't been with us for a while, Second Temple period was a period of time in which the people of God, um, after they had been under the discipline of God through Babylon and Persia, they were removed from representing his reign in the promised land. And because they were removed from representing his reign in the promised land, um, um, God disciplined them for 77 years, but it took them 114 years to begin the process of functionally being reestablished by God on mission. Are you tracking with me? And so now we, 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 we come here where it's post um, their deliverance, out of what's historically called captivity. 
And because this captivity is over, now they had to face the consequences of their sin by dealing with the brokenness that their sin caused. But what's beautiful about the brokenness that their sin caused was the fact that God had erased their sin through faith alone in him and then empowered them the ability to, 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 to reconstruct what their sin had tore up. And, so, and, and, and as they have been doing physical reconstruction on what their sin had tore up, um, we come to a point in the book where now they're moving from physical development, which was uh, uh, of the, the governmental structures of the city, the, the walls of the city, the homes, and Ezra, based on Ezra and Habakkuk and Zephaniah and Zechariah, we're seeing that the temple is being developed. You're checking with me. And so, and so we come here to this passage, and they, they've, they've, they've gotten to the point where they've, they've gotten in the Scriptures, chapter 8, rocked by what the Scriptures say, blown away about what the Scriptures say, and, and, and they worshiped the Lord, but then they went back through it. And the priests and the Levites um, began to do exegetical work and chop the Scriptures up like a nice cheesesteak um, on the grill. And, and as they begin to chop the Scriptures up real nice, like the people of God say, oh, my God, I didn't know all that flavor was in the Scriptures. We got to repent of our sin. You know what I'm saying? And so because they had to repent of their sin, they, they began having to realize how much of the Word of God has been abandoned in their lives. And so, uh, and so, and so they commit themselves by grace alone, through faith alone, through Yahweh alone at this particular time. And so, and so, and so now that they've committed themselves to a covenant with him, God is functionally now giving them the dedication to what it looks like to function sacrificially with their lives in response to the covenant that he's made with them. Are you trekking with me? And so what we're going to do is we're going to build a little bit of a foundation today, and it's going to be a little theologically weighty today. So I want you to, I want you to hang in there and stay with me because... In order to practically walk through much of what we're going through, I want to make sure we have a framework. And so in light of this reality of rebuilt through sacrificial commitment, our first point and only point, then we'll have several sub-points. Number one is sacrificial commitment demands costly trust. Sacrificial commitment demands costly trust. Look back in verse 38 of chapter 9. It says, because of all... This we make a firm covenant in writing, and on the sealed document are the names of our princes and our Levites and our priests. On the seals are the names of Nehemiah. So I, 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 I like this because if you notice the language here, it's heavy commitment language. Um, um, there's a lot of language. When you, look at, when you look at the idea of make, when you look at firm, and when you look at covenant, and when you look at seal, there seems like something's really important getting done right here. And the importance of this getting done is God, by his grace, is re-ratifying, if you will, uh, their commitment um, to the covenant. The word here, make, the word covenant really isn't here. The word make is the word for covenant here. The word make a covenant here means literally to cut something. To, to cut something. In, 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 other, in other words, in order for a covenant to be inaugurated, there has to be some type of pain in, re, in relation to entering that particular covenant. And so in making a covenant, a covenant is a, a solemn agreement between two or more 
parties. A, a solemn agreement or a legally binding agreement between two or more parties. Just keep track with me because we're going somewhere with all of this. And so you, you, you see that there's, that there's a sense in which God, God wants them to rededicate themselves. That's that old school, you know, um, kind of Baptist camp language. Rededication of your life. You know, you had the first altar call was who wants to trust Christ. And you had the other one, who wants to rededicate their life. We're hearing this passage, they're kind of rededicating their lives covenantally if you will. Now, what's interesting about this covenant as it relates to other covenants, uh, this covenant as it relates to other covenants, is we're not under this covenant, but we're under the new covenant. Somebody say new covenant. This is very, very important because we, we must understand this passage in relation to um, what it meant to the original audience, but we also have to understand it as it relates and applies to us. Now, they were under what is called the old covenant, but we're under the new covenant. Now, what's interesting in this passage is the covenant, this covenant, did, does, did, that, that, that they're cutting in this passage did not inaugurate their relationship with Yahweh. I, I like that because, because it didn't start their relationship with him. But, but, but this is, is, is a different type of covenant than God had already made with them through Abraham. In other words, the, the covenant that he made with them through Abraham um, was an unconditional covenant. That, that means that covenant had nothing to do with them. <laughs> that, that means they didn't have to do anything in, to get into this relationship with God. It means that God initiated relationship with them. However, they're making what's called a conditional covenant. Somebody say a conditional covenant. Stay tracking with me. Now, this conditional covenant uh, it is important, um, but, it, but the unconditional covenant can't be overrided by the conditional covenant. But the unconditional covenant is in response, the conditional covenant is in response to the unconditional commitment that Yahweh has to his people. In, in other words, God, an unconditional covenant points to God deciding that he's going to put his affections on you. An unconditional covenant says, I'm not going to look at you and look at your physique and look at your spiritual potential and, and, and pull the God out of you type philosophy. There's no such thing of that biblically and theologically in the Bible. There is no potential in man that makes God want to put his affections on them. The only potential that is inside of man is the potential that God places inside of man. And so in light of that, God knows that he's beyond potential. He is actual. And his actual invades our lives and unconditionally place his mercy, place his affections, and places his passions on us. Now, in relation to that, though, in response to the fact that we're in a relationship with him, what we do is we develop what's called a conditional covenant. A conditional covenant now says, because I'm in a relationship with you, I'm going to serve you. Because I'm in a relationship with you, I am going to live under the stipulations of what it looks like to walk with you and to reflect this reality. Well, this reality is the same reality with the new covenant. You're still tracking with me. Um, um, the new covenant, of course, is in Christ's blood. And, and God did not wait till we get it right to send Christ because Jesus Christ was slain before the foundations of the world. And because he was slain before the foundations of the world, it was a covenant that he decided he was going to make with us whether we liked it or not. And because um, he did that in Christ and Christ died, lived the life we can never live, died the death we can never die, and was raised up from the grave that we can never be raised up from, that is an unconditional covenant. How, how, however, this uh, 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 salvation costs you nothing, Bonhoeffer says, but, 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 but discipleship costs you everything. 
and, and, so, and, so, and, so now, and so now, to be in a relationship with God, you don't do anything. To remain in a relationship with God, you don't do anything. To be eternally glorified in a relationship with God, you don't do a meritorious work to get in a relationship with him. However, there are aspects of being in that unconditional relationship that has conditions. And so what we're going to in this passage are those specific conditions that Lord Yahweh will bring up as in the New Testament would have a lot of continuity with for us today in our lives on a practical level. And so, and so, and so we, we dive into that reality in looking at, again, that this covenant was a, a firm covenant and that it was done with a sealing of the documents, which takes us into the particulars of what that covenant looks like, what they're covenanting themselves to. That's very, very important. <coughs> Is that even when we do covenant community, there's an importance of us understanding what we're covenanting, covenanting to. That's why we say those things to a person so that they know, um, they, they know what they're saying, I do to. You must know what you're saying, I do to. Uh, um, that means that you must understand the unconditional aspects and the conditional aspects. Let me see if I can make it plain. If a, a man and woman do all of this work, they get the, they get the, uh, they, they, they go through, pre, they say, I love you. They, they get saved. They go through premarital counseling. They go through premarital counseling. They release premarital counseling. Then they start working on the wedding. After they work on the wedding, they get the place. They get the banquet hall. They get the church. They get the preacher. They get the people. They get all of these dresses made. They're all excited. They write their own vows and then have traditional vows. You know what I'm saying? All of that type of carrying on. They got certain type of music the woman comes into. You know, I want this to play this when I come in into this. You know how y'all do. Anyway, um, and, then, and, then you, and then you're coming in. You got, you're doing all this work. Doing all this work to get this done. Then you come to the altar and you say, I do. Then you go to the reception. Y'all had a soul train line. Y'all do, y'all do the, you know, the, the, it's electric. You know, we got to do that. We want to do that. You got to do that at the reception. We do all of that. You know what I'm saying? Then, uh, then, then, then go to the hotel room quick. And then go ahead and. You know, do that. Then, then, then just walk away from each other. Like, okay, that was a great day. Wouldn't that be weird? But isn't it weird that many of us say we trusted Jesus Christ as Savior? And, and we kind of just like, all right, I got fire insurance. I'm good. But, but see, in this passage... This is, this is them saying, because I'm in the covenant with God, the motivation of his love for me makes me and woos me into fulfilling the vows that I said, that he said to me and that I said to him. And so this is beautiful as they begin going through. And the first area that they commit to is communal commitment. Say communal commitment. <laughs> Over in verse, oh, down, down here in verse, we'll look at verse 30. Um, it says, matter of fact, let's look at the um, let's look at verse 28. I'm sorry. It says, the rest of the people, the priests, the Levites, um, the gatekeepers, the singers, the temple servants, and all who have separated themselves um, from the peoples of the lands to the law of God, their wives, their sons, their daughters, and all who have knowledge. <coughs> it says, they joined with their brothers, their nobles, and entered into a curse and an oath to walk in God's law. Now, this is powerful. Because what they say here is all of them, everybody who had understanding, who can understand 
the covenant, made a commitment to keeping the covenant distinctions. And the first thing was how they related to one another. I like the personal pronoun reference here. It's powerful. It's, 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 it says it twice. It says, uh, uh, verse 29, it says, joined with their uh, brothers and their nobles. The word joined there is interesting. It has kind of a connotation of marriage there. What God has, what? Joined together. So, so this same sense is, in a sense, being used here in this passage is the same way in which Adam, uh, uh, Adam spoke of his relationship with Eve and God joining them together. Um, um, the, the community didn't merely see themselves in an individualistic relationship with Yahweh. They didn't. They didn't say, well, I got my salvation. I got my personal. I trust Jesus Christ as my Savior and this whole personal faith thing. That's very, very important that you individually trust Jesus Christ as Savior. But that individual trust of Jesus Christ as Savior brings you into a community, not just a personal relationship with God through Christ. That relationship brings you in a relationship with God and his people. That, that means you can't say, I love God and I hate God's people. That, 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 that means I can't, I can't I, in other words, they didn't have a benefit. They didn't say, let me do what benefits me alone. I told y'all, y'all know one of my pet peeves. I got three of them. But the one that I'm going to talk about today, because I want to get off on a tangent, I'm going to talk about one. One of my pet peeves is people's willingness to want to benefit from the church, but not to be in community relationship with the church. I call that communal raping is what I call that. In other words, you are molesting the flock of God to get what you want personally, but you don't want to commit your non-committal self to it. In other words, I get the preaching I want. I get the teaching I want. I get this I want. I get the get. I get the benevolence fund. You know what I'm saying? I get the worship. You know, the guy on the trumpet and them on them keys and things. I like that. The songs of this and that. And I get to take me and I get this and I get that and I get this and I get that. Then you dip at the door and nobody sees you again. In other words, that is not a part of what it means to be in covenant with God and covenant with his people. To be in covenant with God and covenant with his people means that you take responsibility to give your life sacrificially to the flock. That's extremely important because we have this kind of, we have this kind of philosophy of Everything we want based on our own personal preferences. I mean, I got an iPhone too, so I know that we put all of our preferential apps on there. There's certain apps you don't want. There's certain apps you want. And so what we do is we hold the thing, and then when we hold the app, it, it, they shake like this, right? They shake like a bobblehead. And then what you can do is you can X out the ones you don't want. If you didn't, I don't like that one. Kyle, I didn't give it that. Then I'll, I'll put all of these on this page, sync with my computer. I got the ones I want in the front. I got the ones I want in the second page. I got the ones I want in the third page. And I can just whap, whap, whap. And I can get to the ones I want to get to quickest on the first page. Then I can push the button, come to this page. But then if I can't find them, boom, I push it hard. Then they come in the search menu. Then I can search and then find the app that I can't find. Then I'm able to put that in a place where I want it because it meets my personal needs. And we, do th we think the church is an app store. We think the community of God is, is an app store or, or it's the Android network. You know what I'm saying? In, a, in, in, in other words, that, that the church exists for me to tell you what I want and what I don't want. In, in other words, I can choose what comes up in my apps. Or I can choose whether or not I want somebody to challenge me. I, oh, I wish I had. Um, anyway, I, I, I can choose whether or not I want to listen to this word. 
I, I, I want to choose whether or not I want to love that person. I can choose whether or not I want to this. I want to choose. In other words, I want to have a choice central life, not a Christ central life. And so many of y'all are going to struggle because we're going to call you behind to commitment. It, but, but, you know, I'm in a season. There you, that, see, season is that funny word. See, you know what I'm saying? How people use season. I'm, I'm in a season of my, of my life. That, that's, that means don't hold me to nothing because God has given me spiritual amnesty from his requirements. And, and, and listen, God doesn't give amnesty from his requirements. And it's very, very important that we understand that philosophy of life. But what's interesting in the text is he goes on after he says, he says, he says, join with their brothers. In other words, they're owning this. They're nobles. Now, what's funny, the nobles is the people that they don't like. Because the nobles didn't want to serve. Remember chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3? Remember the nobles, they said, we ain't working on that. We, we, we cool people. We rich people. We ain't getting dirty. And so they make a covenant with the people they didn't like. That's crazy. Then it says, and they entered into a curse and an oath to, to walk in God's law. Let's stay right here for a second. Now, <coughs> what we see under communal commitment, right, is this idea of cursing. Now, of course, you can't go to nobody today and say, BK, right now, since you ain't listening to me, right now, I'll bring a curse on you right now. And guess what? You're going to have cancer next week, and I wish that nothing good ever happens to you right now. In Jesus' name, amen. You can't do that. You, you can't do that. That, 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 that. Like, New Testament is different because James cancels out the curses. However, curse does have some translatability to the New Testament. And this is the way it translates. It's about accountability. Because what curses do is, is curses hold people accountable to the covenant. Well, what, what it did was when you weren't functioning covenantally in the covenant, the curse came in order to remind you that you were out of step, call you to repentance. If the curse was removed, then you were inaugurated back in covenant. But, but, but what's crazy about what Jesus Christ did on the cross is Galatians said he became a curse for us. So that when we make mistakes, the curses don't come all on us. But the curses came on him on the cross. However, don't raise your hands yet because there's still accountability. See, they're like, hallelujah. No accountability. Hallelujah. Wow, wow. That's why, that's why you, need, you, need, you, need, you need some ugly people in your life. Comprehensively ugly. People that you wouldn't normally be around, but they challenge your ugly butt. You need, you, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are a kiss of an enemy. You need some hard people in your life to tell you something. Because some of, most of y'all run when commitment time comes. Most of y'all run when you hear words you don't like. I don't like that. I ain't feeling that. I don't like that. Mm, I, I can go this way. You go that way. I go this way. Let me tell you something. Listen, God is not going to build covenants around you. He's not. And so know what that means? Know, know what that means? That, that means that we have to put ourselves in relationship with people that encourage us. Because covenants have two levels. It, it's benefit, it's bene, benefits and their challenges. And guess what? In order to, and, 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 as we benefit, and there are going to be a lot of benefits. <coughs> I think we're easy at knowing the benefits, but I think we're challenged by the challenges. And so what I'm saying today is you need some people in your life 
that can tell you about how trifling you are. I'm going to stay on here for a few minutes. Um, I, I, you, 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 need, you, you need somebody in your life that doesn't just come at you with a hatchet, but in them coming, they're not pronouncing a Sealy curse on you, whatever you do to me, they come back. That's not that, right? That's not the Sealy curse, right? Color purple, John, right? But, but, but there's, 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 this, there's this divine sense in which I, 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 I am going to put myself in a vulnerable place. That takes sacrifice. I'm going to put myself in a vulnerable place with a few people, but the Bible says, man of many friends comes to ruin. So a few solid people who I trust, who are maturing. Hallelujah. Let me say that again. Who are maturing. Not the clique that tells you what you want to hear. Not the clique that you're in where you're the spiritual giant. Oh, I got real quiet in here. We're going application now. And so, and so what happened is, what happened is now you need to be somewhere where your voice isn't as strong as it normally is. And then you can get hacked up by the Holy Ghost through people. That's a beautiful thing. But then covenant, covenant relationships based on covenant community also does something beautiful. It's a place that when hurting goes on and brokenness goes on, that there's care that can go on. Because, because, because in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, it's beautiful because it says God comforts those who go through difficult times. But, but what, what he likes to do is when you're a first-tier sufferer, which, which means there's not many people around you right now, and, and you probably feel alone because you're suffering, but what God will do if you're in him, he'll overwhelm you with comfort. He'll overwhelm you with comfort. And actually, God will put on you more than you can bear because in chapter 1, it says that we were, we were overborne beyond ourselves. Um, that's another sermon. I'll go to 1 Corinthians 13 and tell you why he doesn't put on more than you can bear. The, 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 the stuff he puts on you, doesn't put on you more than you can bear is sin that you got yourself in. But with, that's different than 2 Corinthians chapter 1, which is suffering trials. So check it. God will over... That's, that was for free. So what happens is... <laughs> is that God will overwhelm, allow you to be overwhelmed. I can, I can, he's husky, so I can mess with him a little bit. Um, and, and he'll overwhelm you, with, but then he'll overwhelm you with comfort. And he'll give you more comfort than you need. So that when somebody else is going through it, you can give away the comfort to somebody else that you got with God because you had a lot of comfort to spare. And so, and, so, and so the covenant community, matter of fact, a few chapters later in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 6 and 7, Paul says, I was afflicted. He said, I was in deep afflictions, but my disciple Titus. Now, that's good that you can make a disciple good enough to help you. But anyway, that's when you know you're giving your life away. And he says, he said, guess what he says? He said, and, and he says, and he said who, the Lord who comforts the afflicted sent Titus to me in the midst of my depression and counseled me through my depression. Oh, my God. You need to be in covenant community. You got you to be in covenant relationships, men and women, the one another. That's why they wrought this covenant together, to be able to benefit comprehensively from everything within the relationship of the covenant. And that's very, very, very important. And I'm going to close on this last thing. I'm going to skip family commitment because I'm going to come back to that with financial commitment next week. So family and finances. Woo! Can't wait. Family and finances. Anyway, we're going to another F. Faith commitment. Faith commitment. Look, look, look down here. It says, if the peoples of the land, that's in verse 30, we will not give our, let me go down, I'm sorry, verse 31. It says, and if the peoples of the land bring in goods or any grain on the Sabbath, <coughs> Sabbath day to sell, we will not buy from them 
on the Sabbath or on a holy day, and we will forego the crops of the seventh year and the exaction of the debt. Now, this is interesting because I was like, Lord, what you want me to do with this? But it was interesting. This is beautiful because Shabbat, of course, has multiple levels. There's the weekly Sabbath that was technically Saturday, uh, which God euphemistically rested from his work of creation, okay? Not his work, but his work of creation. But then there were the sabbatical years that the people of God would have every 7 to 15 years, where they would have the year of Jubilee, which he's talking about here. And then there would be holy days. Now, it's interesting that they're not, and most people say they're just committing to a day, but, but this, is, this is not just what they're committing to. They're, they're committing to covenant commitment. They're committing themselves to walking by faith. Let me tell you why. Because to not work at certain periods of time takes faith. Amen. Now, I know some of y'all need to work by faith. Amen. Y'all need to get a job by faith. <laughs> but I'm talking about those who, are, who work viciously, right? This, 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 this is pretty beasty. Um, be, because right here, where it talks about the sabbatical year, it's interesting that they had to rest. And that means they had to rest from work, and they weren't going to do what they usually did. Um, what, they w- what people would do um, during that time is unbelievers would come on the Sabbath day, and they would bring food and do stuff normal that the people of God would have done themselves and bring the food. So they would accept work but not give work, and they would say they were cool. Well, they're saying we're so committed to this that we're going to make sure that we're comprehensively able to rest ourselves on every single level. It takes faith to rest. Because we live in a culture where, you know, I, I, you know Russell Simmons got his junk called global grind. You know, that, that global grind philosophy just means, man, we need to be on our grind getting stuff done. I, I understand that. However, redemptively, that's interesting. Even Jay-Z quoted him. He said, my hustle is so Russell on the Blueprint 3. So we understand that, that, that there is a culture of work that I think can be redeemed even from hip-hop culture and even from our world's culture. However, w- 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 being a Christian and being in covenant with God is so different. Because you can grind all you want, but if the Lord does not anoint the grind to bring forth what you grinded about, your grinding is in vain. Let me get some Bible. See, if the, unless the Lord watches the house, those who work, work in what? Vain. It, it, but, but I like the, Psalm 121. It says the Lord neither slumbers nor sleeps. That means while you're resting, God's working. Oh, I wish I had some help right there. See, some of y'all need to learn how to take a break. In Jesus' name. Some of y'all minds is going, your body going, your eyes going. You're blinking your eyes if you ain't got nothing else to do. I mean, you're busy. And I'm not just talking about, you know, tally hole jumping off into war. I'm talking about, I'm talking about, I'm talking about reflective spiritual time. Will you allow the Lord to refill you? Now, what, now this was funny, babe. They, 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 they're covenanting that they're going to rest. They're covenanting that they're going to make sure that their lives are filled with times where they reflect on the goodness of God. That their times are filled with being refilled and poured into so that their grind means something. See, listen, let me tell you something. It's no matter how much you do in your life, no matter how many degrees you get, no matter how you better remember the Lord. Because, because the reason for Shabbat is for you to remember the Lord, but Jesus fully fulfills this. He fully fulfills it. He says, come to me, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you Sabbath. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly at heart, and you will find Sabbath for your souls. Wow. So even while you're in your grind, you can be in a Sabbath. I wish I had some help. See, see that means while you're working really, really hard, you're working, but God has you at rest because you're not burdened about the activity because you're being blessed by the one who called you into a relationship with him. And guess what? God will call the activity of the one who rests in him while he grinds or while she grinds to actually come to fruition because while you're praying without ceasing and resting in him, he will give you mental capacity to know how to work so that you'll know what. That, that, and that's the beautiful part of living a Sabbath lifestyle. That's why we went through Emotionally Healthy Spirituality last year and talked about the daily, the, the, the daily office and, and the importance of Sabbath. But, but this is something that we got to make sure that our lives is filled with. We don't want to wait every year to solemn assembly for you. Now, we, we ain't got to do a church-wide solemn assembly. You, you have to take responsibility in your own spiritual life to say, I am going to take a side time where I'm going to reflect on the Lord. When, I'm, I'm going to just ask you this as, a, as an application person. When is the last time the Lord really spoke to you? That, that, that you really paused your life enough. And, and you said, God, you know, I, I mean, things are going good or things are going bad, whatever. But, but Lord, I, I'm going to take this time in covenant with you to say, Lord, Lord what's going on in my life? You, you ever been there where, 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 you, where, you, where you don't know where your life really is and, and you need to pause your life and say, God, I, I mean, a lot of things are going good or uh, you know, but, but Lord, I don't know, there's, there's, there's kind of this distance between us that I want to close the gap on. So I'm going to turn off Twitter, Facebook, TV, phone, all of that, and I'm just going to get before you and spend some time. I'm going to take a walk by, by on Kelly Drive. I'm going to take a bike on Kelly Drive. And as I'm biking and looking at the people rowing, I'm going to just meditate on you and walk with you. Matter of fact, I'm going to go sit by the scully, and, and I'm going to sit up under the bridge under there, and I'm going to just begin to meditate on you. I'm going to go into Fairmont Park, and I'm going to just walk with some friends because I ain't going to walk through there by myself. But <laughs> y'all wasn't supposed to laugh, man. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to take, take some time and really, some of you all need to reorder. See, covenant renewal means you're reordering your life under spiritual authority and order based on the Lord. That's what you got to do with your life. And, and, and that's what your life has to reflect. And as you begin to do that, I'm not going to say you, you're going to be perfect. However, you're going to be well connected to the vine. Because he said, apart from me, you can't do anything. And some of you have been headstrong into your own life, and you haven't paused and asked God one question. And I'm just telling you right now today that in order to walk in biblical commitment to God in covenant, you're going to have to pause your life and say yes to him and say no to some other stuff. I'm learning right now in my life, I don't want God to slow me down by force. I had to be slowed down by force two weeks ago. I'm still recovering from it. That's why my voice cracking, because I refuse to stop. And God said, all right, I love you. You don't love you or me, so I'm going to stop you. And God get, uh, let me have a sinus infection for a week, and I was on my back. And I was like, okay. And I talked to him. I didn't do Netflix all day. I got a chance to talk with him. And, 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 and don't let God force you to a halt to remind you of his covenant with you. It, voluntarily say, God, I'm, you know, based on Sabbath, um, and and what, what, what also it was about the Gentiles coming in, 
there was about distractions. Them saying, we don't want to even be distracted because when, when those Gentiles came in, they'd be like, ah, they've been in cursing, acting a while and all of that, coming all in with their stuff. And, and, and it was like, you know what? I, I just want a quiet Sabbath. And I pray that God would give you the faith to turn off your noise for a while. I, I just pray that he'd give you the faith to, or you to use the faith you already have to turn off the noise in your life. Because that, that is what sacrifice is about. It's, about. it's about the understanding of commitment, but it's, but it's also all of these things because Sabbath refuels you for the other levels of commitment. Without Sabbath, you will have no commitment to the other things. And so that's very, very important for us to understand. And we thank God that in Christ, he's given us an eternal Sabbath. And one day, one day when he comes back, like the song was talking about, it being well with your soul, he's going to come back and he's going to set up shop. And we'll have Sabbath for eternity. And nobody will work ever again. And so when you do Sabbath now, you're just practicing for eternity. And so I pray for commitment, for for sacrificial commitment of your life to Jesus. Father, we thank you. We honor you for just your commitment to us and the ability through faith in Christ to just walk in all of these different distinct areas that you have created and developed in our life. Lord, I pray today, maybe someone doesn't know you, every head by every eye closed, maybe someone here doesn't know you, Lord God, and they have been grinding on their own, but they need the living God to start that unconditional covenant through Christ with them. (coughs) Where they they repent of their sin and turn to you in faith and believe that Christ died on the cross and was raised from the dead for them. Because of that reality, Lord God, I pray, God, that they would trust in you and believe in you. 